0: Let, let, let me just uh, say thanks very much to John uh, and thanks to Roger for the uh, invitation to take part at rather short notice and I, I'm afraid I'm, uh, you know, I wish I had the um, the surveys and the, uh, the uh, amount of background that Dave uh, has, you know, academic background as well as, um, uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, just following on from John's introduction, I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a working train driver. Um, I uh, am also uh, an active trade unionist in my union, the RMT. I'm the co- I'm convener of the Lexit campaign, the, the left campaign, to put the argument for why voters should leave, vote to leave the EU uh, on the 23rd of June. And um, I'm also the author of an article in Today's Morning Star about the uh, strike which has started this morning in France uh, in response to the El Khomri Labour law which was implemented by decree last week by Francois Hollande without a parliamentary vote. And there are burning barricades at the moment in France, as you would expect. Um, and uh, a national rail strike has begun this morning, as well as a national strike of road, road freight hauliers. And so, One of the things I want to say to you is that when uh, Lord Monks or or Dave Prentice talk about the achievements of social Europe, um, I think there's a bit of a gap between what is perceived perhaps by uh, academics people who are experts in looking at EU legislation and the experience of workers, whether those workers are here in Britain or whether they're in France or other European countries. And there is, and I think this is something we should all be very concerned about, there is a gap between the perception of many workers, many of them not even in trade unions, and the perception of the official labour movement as to what Social Europe represents, its importance, its relevance, and its future. Uh, And many workers are sceptical because they don't see the arguments that are put to them occasionally uh, about the benefits of Social Europe. Why are we advocating a vote for leave? Uh, Well, my union has had a policy since 2010 uh, of calling for a referendum on Britain's membership of the European Union, and advocating a leave vote in that referendum. That was reinforced uh, in 2015 at our annual general meeting, which is our delegate uh, body uh, that decides union policy. Uh, That's widely supported throughout the union. There is no significant uh, opposition to that position, and there hasn't been over the last six years. Um, Why do we say that? Well, firstly, because we think workers aren't just uh, People who operate within the workplace context, uh, they're citizens and they have the same sort of democratic interests as other people. They are concerned about the democratic deficit uh, in Europe, in the European Union. They're concerned about the complexity they don't understand it because it's inexplicable and I would argue it's intentionally inexplicable uh, to people who don't have who aren't involved in it and even perhaps to some people who are involved in the workings of the EU they are users of public services and there is a very strong perception that public services are under attack from EU policies and institutions in the form of liberalisation directives. This is something that has been particularly important uh, in the transport sector, and that is perhaps why you have railway workers and truck drivers today in France building barricades, because they don't see the European Union and and Social Europe as offering them job security, as defending their conditions, their wages, what they see it as, as being uh, a threat to their wages and conditions and their future job security. Uh, there are other issues, though, uh, which concern workers. Uh, TTIP, I don't know whether that was mentioned this morning, but the um, you know, we've just heard um, Dave Prentice talk about the deregulation agenda of the leave camp, and certainly the likes of Boris Johnson or Farage are essentially uh, Thatcherites. Uh, who want a who want britain to be able to join some version of a transatlantic uh, trade and investment partnership even though president obama says they'll be at the back of the queue uh, if we leave but there's no doubt that the body that has negotiated ttip with the united states has been the european commission uh, and the commission has done so under conditions of complete secrecy uh, circumstances which lead to Uh, great suspicion, quite understandably, about the future of our NHS, about the future of other public services, about how they're being bargained uh, against the interests of global US healthcare corporations who want to get into our healthcare market. And I think finally, the issue which drives scepticism amongst workers about the European Union uh, is the question of free movement of labour. Uh, And that, I want to say a couple of words about before I go on to consider some of these uh, issues in detail. Free movement of labour is often uh, used as a synonym in some of these discussions uh, by people who should know better as being the same thing as immigration. And indeed there are people on the right who are anti-immigration and in favour of calling for a leave vote. But free movement of labour is not the same thing as immigration. Uh, Where I work, uh, we have experience of labour agencies who recruit workers in Bulgaria and then employ them in London on cleaning contracts to undercut wages of the workers who are currently there. Most of those workers who are currently on those contracts and are seeing their wages and conditions being undercut Most of them are black, uh, either black British, black Caribbean uh, or black African workers from both West Africa and East Africa who have immigrated to this country, made a home in London and are trying to bring up a family, put their kids through school and all the other things that people try to do. And they clearly perceive a threat to their future and their family's future from the free movement of labour used through agencies who recruit workers in one country under EU regulations to deploy them as posted workers working in another country. That's not because they're racist against Bulgarians, far from it. Although I have to say, when you pit workers against each other on very low wages, it can very quickly lead to uh, cultural and racial uh, differences and rivalries that are coming out in a form of racism. But there are many black workers who I represent and whose interests we try to protect who are currently seeing that they're being disadvantaged by this system of free movement of labour. So the simple, the simple equivalence sign between uh, free movement of labour and immigration is not an accurate representation. They are two different things and it is certainly the case that most workers are suspicious of and fear a system where employers are able to pick their workforces from the lowest wage economies in Europe and to use them to compete against workers who have a social wage, including a pension, including other rights which are far superior uh, and which are then undercut uh, through that process. And that is something that drives at a very, very deep visceral level a suspicion and hostility towards the European Union amongst many low paid workers. So I think I want to just say a couple of words about the question of social Europe, which I'm afraid I missed um, the contribution which John Monks made this morning, but I caught some of the questions that he responded to. But I think there's a very strong um, suspicion, really, when the phrase social Europe is used. and. People in this room may be able to point to EU-derived legislation, such as the Agency Workers' Directive or the Working Time Directive, which are held up as being examples, concrete examples of the benefits of social Europe. Um, What most workers who don't follow these issues that closely see, however, is sky-high unemployment, 50% youth unemployment in Greece, uh, in Spain, uh, rocketing unemployment in Italy. I mean, the new migrants into London and the southeast from the EU uh, are not from Eastern Europe. They're young people from Spain and Italy, from old Europe, uh, who have been I- inflicted with three, four, five years now of mass uh, unbearable unemployment and are leaving home to come here to try to uh, earn some hard cash. Um, and people see that and it outweighs any uh, benefits which are claimed for the Working Time Directive or the Agency Workers Directive. Um, low growth is a, is a feature of the, European, uh, the Eurozone economies. Uh, low wages are a feature of the Eurozone economies. The ob- obstruse language used by I- Eurocrats Uh, such as flexicurity to try to describe the benefits which they believe workers ought to be grateful for and derive from social Europe are so clearly uh, cannot be understood by most trade unionists or most uh, workers uh, if you try to explain them to them. And above all, as was mentioned earlier, the scourge of new employment practices such as zero-hours contracts, agency work uh, becoming a major, major part of the employment market in this country. Anyone who examines the way that that has come in in the last three or four years can see that it is related not to the EU protecting workers' rights, but in fact to facilitating the entrance of employment agencies into the market as a primary labour source supplier rather than an exception uh, to the rule. Much EU social law is soft law. In other words, it's very easy for employers to get round. We've seen examples of that in the transport industry, for example, getting around the working time directive through the so-called Swedish derogation, uh, for which the EU has no answer. Uh, We've seen examples um, in Dave's own union with Greenwich Leisure uh, two years ago uh, going to the uh, European Court uh, to overturn the decision which Unison had won in this country uh, in the High Court um, to protect the collective bargaining rights of their members who'd been chupied and outsourced to a private uh, local authority agency provider. Uh, and people see this and they understand that the EU is not protecting their rights, their wages, or their future. They also see, of course, austerity in Greece, in Portugal, in Ireland, uh, as being something that was mandated by the Troika, by the European Commission, by the European Central Bank, and which included the suspension of collective bargaining rights for public sector workers in those countries as a price for the bail-in, for the bail-out. And when it comes to public services, I think, It's something worth noting about this debate. There is undoubtedly a very small minority uh, of trade unions who are taking the same position as the RMT. I mean, I think, in fact, there's only one other union that has formally taken a leave position uh, in this country, and that is uh, Aslef but it's no coincidence that both those unions operate in the same sector because what they have seen in the transport sector and in, particularly in the rail sector has been the impact of EU liberalisation directives in facilitating the privatisation of railways and the understanding, I think, that ASLEF have is that the European uh, directive which deals with train drivers, uh, the train drivers licence has effectively been put in place to create a European market in train drivers which is likely to be used to drive down wages in our sector as it has been in the roads, haulage sector and in many other sectors uh, where such arrangements apply. So I'll finish, I think, um, by just saying, John, that it's not as if the railway industry is some kind of exception the railway industry is the canary in the cage. And what happened to the railways in the way that they were subjected to EU liberalisation directives? First of all, breaking up state monopolies. Secondly, liberalising the uh, delivery of the services sector by sector, freight, international passenger travel, domestic uh, domestic passenger trains. This can be, This is echoed in many other important sectors of the economy, such as energy, such as postal services uh, and um, in, in, in health as well and uh, what workers, where workers get their information today and trade unions get their information today is not just through trade union circulars or going to a branch meeting and having a message read out to them by the secretary or looking at their notice board, it is through the internet. Uh, it is through social media and what they see on social media from one end of the continent to the other is chaos and workers who are under the cosh uh, from EU policies and institutions and that's the reason I think that there is this gap between what the experts say and what the scepticism that a lot of workers uh, persist with uh, as we approach the 23rd of June and uh, I'll, I'll stop there. Okay Alex, thank you very much.